Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by John Donovan and the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton. And Bobby, let's just jump right into it, man. Actually, first, hey, if you're in the chat, tell us where you're checking in from. Obviously, we want to see that. But now then, Bobby, lots of news to go over from this weekend. And let's start with the hot topic, the portal. Yeah, absolutely, Blake. So uh, Texas now has seven players in the portal. Isaiah Dayor, the wide receiver transfer on Friday, is the latest to join that. But really, it's it's not so much that as it is we can talk about the incoming guys, potentially, for the Longhorns. Uh, visiting this weekend uh, for Texas was Trey Moore, an edge prospect out of UTSA. He had 14 sacks last year for uh, the uh, Roadrunners. Interesting about Trey, only guy in on the uh, in the uh, for over the weekend. I talked to someone close to that recruiting situation on Sunday night uh, around 645. Uh, long story short, Trey has Ohio State coming in for a home visit today, has Alabama uh, coming in on Tuesday, and then he leaves for Ohio State on Friday. Uh, so he is one of the guys that Texas has identified. Uh, he had breakfast on Saturday morning, or excuse me, on Sunday morning or a Sunday morning meeting uh, with Steve Sarkeesian. They talked about things. Uh, I'm told that Trey absolutely loved Texas. His dad also loved it as well. Uh, long story short, the Longhorns are going to be tough to beat here, but he is still playing it out uh, a little bit right now. Uh, so we're going to have to be be a little bit of wait and see. Other news in the portal uh, at this point. Uh, Dion Burks, a receiver out of uh, Purdue, is getting a look by the Longhorns and is possible to visit this weekend. Uh, so make sure you check on him. He's got 43 plus, I think 40 plus receptions uh, as a uh, as a player at Purdue this past season. He's a slot guy that can stretch the field vertically. Uh, also, Texas potentially bringing in uh, guys like Andrew Makuba, uh, the safety uh, nickelback out of Clemson, uh, Juice Wells, who was at Ole Miss this weekend, the wide receiver from South Carolina. Longhorns have not officially made that happen yet, but it is a possibility. And then you're waiting on a guy like Matthew Golden, uh, and whether or not he might officially visit Texas in and if and when uh, he actually enters the portal uh, based on some news that he was actually putting his name in the portal. Uh, so we'll wait and see if Texas actually goes there. But that's just portal news at this point, guys. <laughs> uh, that's all that. And it is fast and furious. There's also home visits. Uh, Jerry Hamilton of On3 reporting uh, today that Steve Sarkeesian uh, is expected to make a, a home visit with DeAndre Robinson the big defensive lineman out of Orlando Jones at three o'clock central today. Uh, also Aaron Hampton, the defensive back athlete out of uh, Dangerfield, uh, apparently waffling a little bit after that uh, uh, home visit last week from uh, Nick Saban. We'll see if that continues the possibilities of, of things going around, but all in all, uh, it is just a lot of news out of the gate right now for the Longhorns. Uh, very excited uh, uh, time uh, nine days now until National Signing Day. It begins December 20th. Uh, Texas uh, right now at 20 commitments overall, a top 10 class, uh, according to On3. Uh, my take on it, Blake, uh, and, and your, your, you know, my, see, my feeling right now, Texas at 20 commitments, I expect them to end up around 22 or 23, uh, plus trying to take four to five guys in the portal right now. But they're being very judicious with that portal and they need different types of players for it. Uh, all in all, as of right now, of those 20 to 23 commitments, at least 14 of them, Blake, are midterm enrollees. 
which means the Longhorns and the Longhorn fans will be able to see those players in spring practice. And I can't tell you how important that is uh, for the Longhorns. That's right. Hey, Bobby, real quick before we move on, uh, we have a question here that's related to the portal. I'm going to go ahead and ask you from Christopher Weatherford. He says, how many actual transfers do we have room for? Well, it, that all depends on uh, an additional attrition from the port, uh, from Texas out out the, out the door, so to speak. Uh, so I expect it to be from four to six, guys. That's the number I've been given, uh, and that's the number I expect to see. Uh, the idea, though, is they've got to be – They've got to be guys that Texas really wants. And I mentioned this a couple times now. I reported it on Inside Texas on Friday that, you know, Texas has to be and is going to be very judicious about these things. They are not just going to take guys to be taken guys. They got to fit the culture. They got to be positions of need. And they got to be a little bit what they think are difference makers or at least somebody that brings something to the table that they don't already have. They're not just trying. They, they feel like they've got a good roster. They don't just need a, they don't just need a, uh, you know, bolster it. They need to upgrade it if they can, and that's the true value of the portal for a blue blood like Texas. No doubt about it. And then one other one, real quick, Bobby. And then we'll move on here. But Leon uh, says, how many portal wide receivers do you think they'll take? You know, there's a report. Chris Jackson, the Texas wide receivers uh, coach, was in Calabasas, California, over the weekend. Aaron Butler is a wide receiver. Uh, a, a high school wide receiver out of Calabasas. And he recently decommitted from Colorado. Very good player, like very, very good. Um, and I think the answer is in what he told uh, a reporter uh, uh, publicly. Butler told a reporter that Chris Jackson told him that Texas was going to likely take two um, receivers in the portal or one high school one more high school receiver and one portal receiver. Butler obviously is hoping that he is, he might be one of those high school receivers. Okay. But I think that the need is more in the portal because of immediate help. They already have a good nucleus of young receivers on campus. They need what I like to call adults in the room. And so that's where, that's where that's at. Hey, Blake, I got to ask you um, because we like yeah. to, I mean, it is coffee and football and all this other stuff, but I also like all sports that that relate to the University of Texas. Tell me, I mean, you were talking to me about the women's volleyball program. I used to follow volleyball. My du my daughter played it growing up. Uh, they made it to the final four yet again, Jarrett Elliott's group. Tell people a little bit about that as well. Yeah, man. I mean, big, big win uh, going into Stanford, knocking off the number one seed over the weekend. I mean, huge deal there. Uh, I don't think anybody expected them to get this far. Uh, just you know, because of what they did last year in the team. But it's the first time, Bobby, in the college football playoff era that a team has been in the final four of volleyball and football since the inception of the college football playoff. So Texas uh, in new waters there that nobody else has been in. Where did you get that? Where did you get that stat from? Uh, it was actually uh, Danny Davis over at the Austin American Statesman. He was he had been you know covering volleyball and he put that out there and I looked it up just to make sure and he's a hundred percent spot on. Yeah, they have pretty a, cool. They had Logan Eggleston last year, uh, who was just a phenomenal uh, you know all you know national player of the year, phenomenal ambassador for the University of Texas. Madison Skinner is leading that program now. Young lady from Houston, um, Brian Skinner's daughter, uh, the the former pro basketball player. So. Uh, she's she's doing it to it, but they're back in the final four. They, you know, Blake, 
the, the uh, I think a rising tide lifts all ships in sports. We talked with Cat mm-hmm. Osterman about that a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago. Um, and look, whether it's volleyball or football or whatever, I mean, it, baseball, basketball, it, it, Texas needs to be good at all of them, right? I mean, as many as possible. Uh, Chris Del Conte has done a marvelous job in that regard of upping the ante. Uh, the one thing that I will say, too, is that women's soccer has done better in recent years. That used to be a little bit of a, a, a situation where they weren't meeting other, yeah. other sports. <laughs> now they are. So they're, this athletic department, you know, you can say what you want, uh, but there's a reason they, that they won a couple of Sears Cups or Athletic Grocers Cups, whatever they call it now, a Learfield Cup, I think. Um, and you know, it's, it's good stuff to hear Texas succeeding across multiple, multiple sports. No doubt. And that, that is one takeaway when she was on with us a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, uh, she talked about how she took it for granted because it was like the status quo of every program just doing amazing. And that was a really good interview to have her back on sometime for sure. So let's I do have one thing for you. I forgot to mention on Dion Burks, the competition for him. Uh, is allegedly Oklahoma, Penn State, and USC. That was the one mark I needed to write down uh, before we go on from a recruiting standpoint. Sorry about that. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Well, hey, everybody, real quick, we got uh, Bob Shipley coming up here in just a little bit, uh, former Texas staffer, former Texas high school football coach, of course, the father of Jordan and Jackson Shipley. So going to be some some great content there for sure. Uh, but, Bobby, let's talk about – I mean, we talked about volleyball. Let's talk about high school football for a minute. Uh, yeah. Some big games going all around the state. We've had some comments on it saying I was right about Alito and North Forney. Sorry, I, I know they didn't want Alito to win, but Alito won that one. But the, the big game, and I'm going to bring this up here, the coaches were on the road, uh, as you said earlier. But look how many coaches were at the DeSoto game. I mean, you got Sark there, Gideon, uh, Chris Jackson, you know, I, Banks is there. I mean, there it was. It was a full house there for that DeSoto uh, South Lake Carroll game on Saturday. I, I will add this: that's Saturday, right? Yes. Okay. Steve Sarkeesian Saturday night was in St. Louis, Missouri, for a home visit with Ryan Wingo. So, if you don't think, and, and don't forget, don't forget, all this time Trey Moore was on campus at Texas for his official visit. Okay. So you want to talk about coaches being busy? I mean, that's that he's he's in Dallas watching Duncanville, or excuse me, DeSoto. He's he's going to to a home visit in uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, with Ryan Wingo. Then he's back down to to Austin by Sunday morning, uh, having uh, a talk with Trey Moore. Uh, just indicative, in my opinion, Blake, of just how much stuff is going on with these guys. It is a race to the finish, and don't forget. The players are back and getting ready to go back to playing ball this week and getting ready to prepare for the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a nuts time of year for college coaches. The 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 regular season is a is easy for them compared to this, in my opinion. No doubt. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And it's Forney, not North Forney. I said North Forney. I meant Forney played Alito, but. Yeah, some great games there. Uh, Duncanville, of course, played North Crowley. That's what I was thinking of. Lots of talent all over the field. And it, But you're right, Bobby. I mean, it's just amazing how how busy they were. I mean, going to the in-home with Wingo, the game, you know, on the trail nonstop. It looks like Sark had his hands full this weekend for sure. 
All right. Well, Bobby, if you're ready, we're going to let you tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely, Blake. I appreciate it, man. Uh, John Donovan, it's his birthday today, guys. I wish him a happy birthday. John is thrilled that our Longhorns made the college football playoff, and he expects the Sugar Bowl to be a burnt orange party, just like today will be a party at Longhorn Wealth, because today is John's birthday. Uh, but John wants to give a present to each of you by offering a free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you achieve your own financial goals by developing tax-free income for your retirement, tax-free funding for your kids or grandkids' college education, and tax-free wealth transfer to your heirs. So please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. John has been a certified financial planner. He's been spending over 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients. All right, we want to thank John and Longhorn Wealth Management Group for sponsoring every Monday. And uh, we got a super chat, Bobby. We're going to go ahead and jump on over to it from Don P. And he says, it is, is it a concern that Oklahoma State exposed Jade Barron downfield? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, don't y'all think? I, I Look, Texas is not a perfect team uh, by any stretch, but maybe the you know, elephant in the room, so to speak, for the Texas defense has been getting beat downfield, whether that's the safeties. Uh, if Jade Barron is get, having that issue downfield, Blake, uh, that's been the elephant in the room. Uh, we all know that they've been able to stop the run, but when K-State went uh, and just basically abandoned the run, they were able to throw the ball all over the field on Texas. Uh, U of H had gave Texas problems in the past game. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that that's part of the process. I also believe that Jade Barron has been a little injured all season long. In fact, I know he has. It's been a, uh, it's not been turf toe, but it's something uh, like that that he's having issues with. So hopefully, this three four weeks worth of rest, where he's not on it every single week, uh, will help him heal up and maybe be back to hundred closer to hundred percent. So y'all have to keep that in mind. It's not so much Jade Barron that I'm worried about. Uh, getting thrown over the top. You, you, if you listen to Rod Babers and what he talked about last night on the live stream, uh, guys, Michael Penix at, at Washington is not just a good deep ball thrower. He's an extraordinary deep ball thrower. He is throwing, one of them is Roma Dunze, who is a uh, six foot three, 215 pound wide receiver that ran a 10 6 7 in high school and is a 70 30, not a 50 50 ball catcher, uh, according to, to advanced stats. So, if you think of all of that, you've got to realize that Texas has got its work cut out for it in the secondary. That's all there is to it. But you expect things like that. I mean, Texas didn't walk in and walk over USC in the national championship game. They had to go beat them. I think the same's going to, going to, uh, you know, come to come to pass here, where Texas has to go and beat Washington. Washington's going to get its shots in. Texas has to get its in. Uh, and then we'll see who comes out the winner. Uh, we got another super chat here from Tub in Texas. I want to thank him. He says, good morning from Conroe. It's going to be a fun week. A couple of huge commitments in the SEC schedule release show. I completely forgot about that. Thanks and hook on. Yeah, it should be. It's going to be a fun week. One thing coming up this week that I didn't mention, uh, Kobe Black out of Waco Connolly announces his decision at 430 uh, on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Blake, uh, that is going to be an interesting one because that would be commitment number 21 uh, for yep. the Longhorns and also one of the highest rated DBs left 
in the country, a top 100 prospect overall. Blake, we got to get this guy in. Uh, yeah, we this do. is one of my longtime friends, uh, coaching friends, and just a good, I mean, guys, I got to tell you, when there, there are good people in this world, and there are great people in this world. Bob, you are one of the, the great guys uh, I've ever known. Uh, I first got to know Bob on the seven-on-seven -seven state championship uh, board of directors that he and I both served on. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us. And I think uh, I just want to say hook them and talk to you a little bit. That sound good? Yeah, sounds great, man. How you doing? Doing good. What you been up to lately? Tell people, I know you're, you're selling ranches. Tell people what you're doing. Well, I'm not selling uh, near as many as I'd like to with their interest <laughs> rates, but you know, that's another, that's another uh, stream, but uh, no, we're just, uh, you know, I'm chasing grandkids around. I got, I got, uh, you know, my, my wife, the boy's mother passed away a couple of years ago and, and uh, I just recently got remarried. And so um, getting used to being a groom, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, quite interesting. And really it's been a, a, a blessing, but I've inherited three more grandkids. So that brings my grand total to 13. Holy so uh, I'm chasing wow. grandkids around. <laughs> that's what I'm doing probably more than anything. Hey, Bob, uh, we appreciate you joining us uh, and spending time with us this morning. Uh, you spent time in the coaching high school ranks uh, at Texas. You were in the support staff group. Then you saw Texas from as a parent with both Jordan and Jackson. Um, what kind of impact has the University of Texas had on your life and, and high school football, et cetera? Well, you know, the University of Texas uh, had an impact on my life starting back when Earl Campbell was in college. Uh, <laughs> I had a really uh, dear friend of mine. He he kind of took me under his wing, I, I guess, when I was young. And uh, his name was Ramsey Clinton from Burnett, Texas. And uh, Ramsey took me to all the Texas games um, when I was when I was uh, growing up. And Earl Earl was a senior. I think I went to every game. And uh, his his son Carsey Clinton is uh, one of my very best friends in the world. And and I just fell in love with University of Texas, you know, as a 15 or 16 year old kid. And uh, wanted uh, desperately to to go there and play there and uh you know the biggest obstacle in my way uh ironically was uh i didn't have any talent <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i went to abilene christian and thankfully uh, in fact uh ken dabs uh was a good friend of my head coach at, at burnett high school ray frady and, and ken dabs uh um uh, I remember I was literally crying, you know, tears and uh, talked to my head coach, you know, coach, it's right before signing day. Could you please see if there's any way, you know? And he said, no, nah, I'm sorry. They're just going to have room for you. And they probably had unlimited scholarships back then. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Dabs knew that I had my heart broken. Uh, and then uh, I never saw or talked to Ken Dabs again until uh, 2013 when Mac Brown hired me on staff as an analyst. And uh, it wasn't maybe my first or second day on the job. And Ken Dabbs came up and said, I'm looking for Bob Shipley. I said, well, you found him. He said, coach, you finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he, he's right. And so um, I, I felt like I finally made it. But uh, so I've loved the University of Texas uh, practically my whole adult life and uh, was just thrilled when, uh, you know, my boys decided to play there. and Just a dream come true for me. So uh, Texas has had an incredible impact. Uh, on my life and I'm forever indebted to the university. Hey, Bob, I got a question for you. Your son, Jordan, obviously played in the 2009 national championship. 
obviously Texas is not there yet, but they are as close as can be. As a parent, can I talk about the the preparation that he went through and the mindset and, and just the atmosphere of going into that big game from his standpoint? Well, you know, that's probably a question that you need to ask him because, you know, Jordan is he's pretty private, you know, and he he doesn't uh, you know, he doesn't ever show uh, much emotion, you know, one way or the other. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we didn't talk about it a whole lot in terms of the significance of it. We knew it was very significant. But, you know, Jordan is just uh, one day at a time kind of guy. And um, he was, uh, you know, just trying to stay uh, healthy. I, I think that's what I remember as much as anything. Two, two things. One of them is that, that uh, you know, after you get through playing 12 or 13 games, you're just, you know, you, you need a little time to get your body healed up. Uh, but I also remember uh, the fact that they felt like they had a great game plan going into the game. And, and at that time, uh, I don't, the way I interpreted it personally was that, that, Saban was a great coach. He he did what he did. He knew what he knew, and he wasn't going to change. And so uh, it's a it's a little bit uh, easier, ironically, to game plan against somebody like that because you know that they believe in their system so much that they're going to do what they do, and they're not going to you know you're not going to come out and see Nick Nick Saban totally change everything he's he's doing for one game. And so they felt like they had a great game plan, you know, against him. And I and I think that. That showed, of course, we know we weren't able to really expose, uh, you know, their defense as well as we'd like to have because of the injury to Colt. But um, there was just a, a, obviously a, a ton of excitement, and we just felt like we were on the verge of something very special. Let me ask you this. What does it feel like and, and, and seem like, and what did you see in this year's team now that they're back in similar situation? Oh, it's it's just – it's been – it feels like it's been an eternity, doesn't it? I mean yeah. – you know, having been there, I guess I've, I've been there, uh, five, uh, spent five years on staff there. And, uh, you know, I just felt like we were we were getting there. You know, I just felt like different times that we were getting some great kids in there and things were, you know, starting to turn, obviously, after the 2018 season. But, um, you know, it just feels uh, – I just, I just feel like that there's been so much effort and – uh, work put into this thing and so much um, just money, obviously, and other things that it's just finally feels like we're, you know, I hate to say we're back, but, it, you know, I just, uh, and, and honestly, I, I've got a little bit of, uh, you know, my heart's been broken so many times, <laughs> as all of ours has, that, um, you know, I, I I was like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I, I don't gamble anyway, but, you know, we were just barely getting by these close games. And I thought, well, I don't know if this team is teasing me or, you know, if they're the real deal or what. But I just feel like that uh, finally, you know, the last two or three games, we started really clicking and coming on. And obviously, I you know, I, I believe in, in Sark, you know, and I, I worked for him for a few months as, as he was transitioning into the job and I was transitioning into retiring. Um, you know, he's he's uh, obviously, a, you know, the main uh, piece in, in making all this come together. I'm so thankful for him and the job he's doing. But, boy, doesn't it feel good? It just it's just like, you know, you can finally just go, golly, or, you know, because you start wondering, like, you know, so many other great universities that, you know, have been there, you know, with Nebraska and Miami and others, you know, and you go, golly, are we ever going to get back? 
and uh, it's very satisfying. And and I don't know about you guys, but I just I just I just take in every single game, almost every play. You know, just like wow, this is so satisfying. Yeah, that's so awesome, Bob. Because I think you just I think you articulated what I don't know a couple hundred thousand Longhorn fans yeah. think and feel because. <laughs> Where you, you ride on the edge of your seat, you're back and forth and, and all of that stuff. Who are some of the players that you've really enjoyed watching this year that you think have just, you know, been those guys? Because you're a coach, you know, you have guys that you like. A couple, of, a couple two, three guys that you think have just been the, the straw that stirs the drink a little bit? Well, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Quinn has been uh, very uh, fun to watch and I think is um, has – Really, I, well, I was going to use an Alberta County uh, phrase to describe him, but I won't. But he's he's come of age, you know. <laughs> Something dropped. I'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but I- anyway, I think he's, uh, you know, it's been really fun. As, as a matter of fact, I remember Quinn coming in when he was a, I think he was a freshman. He may have been a sophomore. I kind of think maybe he was a freshman in high school. But he started coming up for games, you know, and we started. Uh, you know, we started uh, recruiting him at that point, and I just thought, you know, this guy's going to have to grow up a lot because there wasn't, um, you know, a lot about him that, you know, would would make you think, you know, he's going to be the guy that, to lead us to the, you know, the promised land. But I do think that, uh, you know, obviously it starts with him. And, and the, you know, the nice thing about it is that we've got so many um, – you know, so many great players and, and depth. And you look at the, you know, at the, at the, first of all, the offensive line, that's the thing, you know, that we've been missing. We've had some, you know, some good skilled kids, you know, uh, but, um, you know, the offensive line uh, across the board is as good. And i tell you what, you, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here, but, you know, 2009, you know, that season that we played Alabama, that, um, uh, that wasn't the greatest offensive line that, I mean, that now they were, they played with incredible heart. They played above their head. Uh, I think we probably got exposed against Nebraska with Sue, you know, oh, it just looked like, Oh my gosh, well, what happened to our offensive line? Well, you know, and I'll tell you another thing I, I ask people all the time. Um, if you remember, we didn't have a, a, a dynamic running back at that. So who was a running back on that 2019? I, I've asked people that, who I thought were experts in UT football, and nobody could really tell me. <laughs> Trey, do you remember? It wasn't. It was a mix because it was like Trey. Wasn't it like a mix of three or four guys? Trey Newton was one of them. Trey. It, Trey got hurt. Yeah. Was Oban? Was Oban? Uh, Naya. Oh eight or oh nine. Obanaya was oh uh, eight. Okay. Yeah. Who was it, Bob? If you got to Johnson. Remember. You remember Johnson, the fullback? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Cody Johnson. Cody Johnson. All right. So Jordan, Jordan said it was always funny because Cody would say, man, I scored four touchdowns today, you know, and Jordan said, yeah, you had six yards rushing. (laughs) (laughs) He could pound it in, you know, but it's, it's amazing. There, there wasn't a dominant offensive line. There wasn't a dominant. I mean, you know, people can't even tell you the name of a running back hardly that played in the national championship game. And so, uh, so this year feels totally different. You know, this year feels like we've got, you know, we've got lots of depth. We've got, uh, you know, great players and and skill positions offensively. But, you know, I, I look at Xavier and, uh, you know, I, I knew he had great potential, but, you know, he, he didn't, 
it, it seems like in the past, you know, um, the balls had to be thrown just right to him or he wouldn't adjust to him. Wow. What, what a, a year he's had, you know, and I just, I'm really proud of him for not, uh, you know, uh, uh, leaving and, and chasing something else, chasing money and just staying here and staying the course. And, um, he's had as, as good of, uh, a year as, as, as I've seen really, I mean, in, in an awful long time. Um, but that's fun. But I, I really, I really love to watch him. And of course, you know, we just like, you know, tight in and then, then you go to defense, you know, and, um, that's been fun to, you know, to watch our defense. So I, I don't know. I hate, I hate to start picking out too many names, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just really good across the board. There doesn't seem to be a glaring weakness, you know, and that's, that's a lot of fun. Hey, Bob, uh, we have a question here and it, I was actually going to ask something along the same lines, but I'm going to read it. It's from one of our viewers, UT parking. He said, how important are the GAs and analysts like Paul, Chris, Joe D. Camillus to bowl game prep while coaches are busy? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's huge. You know, I remember back, uh, in actually in, uh, 2013 when, um, we had, uh, my mind's going blank Robinson, um, as an analyst, uh, Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Greg, Greg. Yeah. So, so coach hired first time he'd hired analysts. He hired, uh, me and Greg and, um, you know, Greg stayed out in California that year, uh, for, he was, he was in for training camp and then he spent a lot of time in California, but, uh, he was, he spent, uh, weeks and weeks breaking down Oklahoma and, and he was getting us ready for Oklahoma. You know, that's kind of what he did. And that's what those people allow you to do. Uh, maybe it, it may be somebody on, uh, on the staff, uh, that, that has a, some particular knowledge about an opponent or, or you have this game that you see on the schedule that you circle, that's a must win game. And I know that's how Mac did it. He, he would, uh, you know, get Greg focused in. Uh, and then, uh, another funny side story to that is we, when, when we came in, when Manny got let go in the middle of the season after BYU and Greg came in, took over as a defensive coordinator, the only guy on the staff that was there when, when, uh, when Greg was a defensive coordinator, when we beat, uh, Michigan in the Rose Bowl in 2004, um, uh, let's see, uh, was Oscar Giles, Oscar yeah. Giles. And so Greg, Greg, what, they weren't going to change the overall uh, terminology. So, so Greg was going to use his terminology. So Oscar had to translate. And so Greg, <laughs> I was in the box next to Oscar and Greg would tell Oscar the defense and Oscar would have to translate it to the guy that's signaling in the defense. And so it was, I mean, it worked. And in fact, if you remember, we played Baylor for the conference championship. The last game we're tied three to three at halftime. Uh, of course that was, you know, Max last game after the bowl game against Oregon. But, but anyway, those, those guys, uh, you know, they obviously they have to be in a situation where they can come in and help out if somebody, you know, leads a staff, but, but uh, they're incredibly important. And I, I don't know how Sark uses them, but I've seen it firsthand with, with Greg and, you know, we beat OU that year in 2013. And, and so it was, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's really nice to have those guys in there. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, I promise you, they're not bringing them in just to take up space. They're using them. And I don't know how Sark's using them, but, uh, I think it's, I think it's a great advantage to have those guys. I got to ask you another question, uh, before we move on, I want to ask you about high school football in a second, cause that's going on right now. And, 
while this is about the Longhorns, it's also about football a little bit as well. But one last thing I saw on uh, a week ago, a week ago Saturday. What did you think of Jonathan Brooks getting in that game at the very end? Oh, that that, that sh- I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I <laughs> it, it took me a second to to realize. I thought that was I thought that was pretty classy. Uh, you know, there's what he's done this season is is just phenomenal, and I yeah. just. I just thought that was really cool and a great tribute to him. And, and then to see how all the players on the team responded to him after that was, uh, you know, I wiped a tear from my cheek because I have a special place in my heart for people like that who, who uh, you know, have, have, have had injuries and, and lost the chance to, you know, maybe, you know, play for a national championship. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Well, tell us about Texas high school football. You've been at the epicenter of it. You won a state championship. You've done all the things, and we're in the midst of it right now. Are you following any teams? Or are you just trying to enjoy it from far away? What, what's up with you? You know, uh, I, I'm up in Abilene. I live in Abilene, and uh, <clears throat> I follow uh, the Albany Lions. Um, uh, Denny Faith and I, uh, I've known Denny for uh, a long time, and Denny is a, a great friend, a great guy. Uh, he's been, I can't remember how many years he's been, uh, in Albany, but it's decades, uh, first as an assistant and as a head coach, but you know, me, I love small town football. I went to Coppell for a couple of years and I just had to get back, you know, to <laughs> a little bit, uh, smaller football, you know, from, from Burnett to Coppell to Brownwood. But, uh, yeah, I've been following the Albany Lions and, uh, they got a running back named Hill that is uh, yeah he's a beast. University of Texas and he's about uh, T- Texas Tech University I'm sorry he's probably six two two hundred and ten or fifteen pounds and plays never comes off the field I'm not sure where they're where they're going to use him but great kid great family they're actually originally from Brownwood believe it or not but um, yeah so I've been hanging out uh, in Albany some this season watching them and uh, plan to go up Thursday and uh, hopefully watch them win another state championship. There you go. Yeah, Adam Hill's but amazing. I, but every Friday night, I'm on, I'm on my, uh, I'm on the app looking at scores and <laughs> seeing how my buddies are doing. Can't get away from it. <laughs> All right, Coach, we get, we got one more question for you, then we'll let you go. But yeah, to your point, Adam Hill is an amazing player. He he played uh, Comanche this year, and got, I've seen him twice now. He's just one heck of a player. Um, yeah. But another another viewer question here that David Williams wants to know how you feel about the transfer portal and other changes within college football. And then what is your view of the impact of the transfer portal? I mean, you've been a head coach, you've been a college, you know, assistant analyst. You, you've seen both sides of it. 
You know, uh, I, I personally am a big fan of it. I just think that, uh, you know, and I know there's a lot of people out there who have the opposing viewpoint that, uh, you know, you got to work through tough times and kids are spoiled and they want instant gratification, all that stuff. But, you know, uh, I don't know why as adults, we do the same thing, don't we? I mean, we get a better offer. We get a better job. Well, I'll stick it out. You know, no, you're going to do what's best for your family. I am. And coaches do it. And then all of a sudden, as fans, we don't want our, our players to do it. But, wow, how much parity is there in college football now? I mean, anybody can beat anybody. That's That's been proven time and time again. And uh, I, I I don't, you know, a one-time transfer and be eligible immediately, I like. You know, it starts getting – I think maybe they've done away with that, hadn't they? Um, you yes. have to sit out if you transfer twice. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I like it, and I think you can see it across college football. It's uh, it's giving kids, uh, you know, new life and a chance maybe to, and you know, maybe the scheme didn't fit in, or maybe they're they're behind an all American. But I like the fact that it's uh, it's given college football a lot of parity and uh, you know, give kids a chance to to live out their dream. They've worked they worked their whole life for it, and um, I, I I like it. I, I'm not. You know, I, you know, the, the NIL is a whole, whole nother deal and uh, we won't uh, probably get into that. But uh, I do I do like the, the transfer portal. I think it's uh, and, you know, it gives it, it makes coaches be a little more accountable. One thing about, uh, you know, be, being a college football coach is uh, they're used, you know, you used to could. You've got to keep recruiting kids. You've got to keep being nice to them. You've got to keep creating an atmosphere they want to be a part of in a culture as opposed to just being a hard butt every day and just, you know, and knowing that, uh, you know, you've kind of got them and they can't leave uh, without having to pay a pretty big price. And so it makes the coaches have to uh, work on culture a little bit more and, uh, you know, and make it enjoyable because I can tell you, there's a lot of things about college football that, you know, you see the glamour and you see the, you know, all the stuff, but what what you don't see is 5 a.m. And you don't see those kids, you know, having to go to study hall every night. I mean, it's a job and it's a beat down. And so, you know, I think, uh, you know, coaches having to work a little bit more to create a culture that kids want to be involved in and be around is, it's a good thing. That right there, guys, everybody that's on this, uh, viewing this uh, show right now is exactly why I think Steve Sarkeesian's got something going pretty special. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Is he, he literally, they talk about culture, but they live it. A little bit, yeah. right? It's 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 one thing to say, but another thing to do. Um, yeah, Coach, no doubt. you know what? You're you're just a, a treasure uh, of information and a longtime friend. Uh, I appreciate you. Oh, look, hey, ship, go dogs, class of '79. Hey, hey. you know Alan '79. Yeah, Alan Watts. <laughs> it sure seems like it's been uh, uh, not quite that long ago, but yeah. <laughs> You know, back then they only took one team to the playoffs, so I never even went to the playoffs until I was a coach. Uh, hey, coach, thank you so much, man. And yeah, tell I, hello. I do have to give one shout out to T Sweat, man. Sweat came in. You know, we recruited him, and and I'll tell you, when I came to Texas with with uh, when uh, Tom Herman called me and said we want you to come back, he said, hey, we got a bunch of recruits coming in this weekend. You know. Uh, need you up here. And I'm like, all right, the closer, man, they're bringing in the closer, you know? And so I come up there and he goes, Hey, listen, Chip, we want you to hang out with the grandparents. Okay. We think, you know, and I'm like, Oh, okay. I got it. I see where I am. Um, 
No, but seriously, it was a great fit for me to be able to spend time with parents and, and grandparents, you know, even, uh, so with, with Bijan, it was his, you know, I spent a lot of time with his granddad talking football and things like that. And, and so I got to visit and get to know the parents and grandparents on their visit and develop relationships. What a, what a great family and what a great, uh, young man, always smiling and, uh, man, just so feel so proud of him for the job that he's done and the accolades he's gotten. And, uh, you know, Bo's one of the best there is in the business coaching those guys. And, and, uh, anyway, I'm just so proud to see us finally. How's what's it been 1974? Since <laughs> oh, we've had a outland, you mean? Yeah. Outland Brad, Brad, sure. That year you were talking about with Earl. Yeah. Yeah. Westlake high school. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, That's awesome. Hey, there, there are people that know a little more Texas football than me, I think. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate what you do, Bobby. And like, you know, like you said, we've been hanging out for a lot of years. And and uh, you still, you still in Nashville? Yep, I sure am. I'm outside of Nashville, a little town called Brentwood. I've been here for oh, yeah. since '04. That's where the corporate headquarters for On Three has been, where Twenty Four Seven Sports and Rivals has been as well. So yeah, good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks. You, thanks, you guys. Appreciate what y'all do. Enjoyed visiting with y'all a little bit this morning. Hey, Coach, I want to say one thing. ShipleyRanches.com. If somebody happens yeah. to be willing to throw around $10 million and wants to buy 100 acres <laughs> somewhere, is that, that's, that's ShipleyRanches.com. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Me and Jordan and Jackson, and we have some other uh, associates that, that sell for us. Uh, all our contact information is on there. Or if you have a place you want to list or I'll tell you what, we've got a real exciting, uh, I, I, I just happened to be talking to Jackson this morning. Uh, uh, we, we've got a, a, a ranch. There used to be a, a ranch in between the Burnett and Lampasas counties, uh, kind of along the Colorado river there that, that, uh, was originally about 30,000 acres and was just the thickest, uh, most beautiful hills. Like, uh, you know, you don't even realize that they're out there, but, uh, anyway, uh, uh, Jordan has, has gone in with some guys and, uh, we've got probably four or 5,000 acres out there that, that we have, are kind of developing into smaller 50 to 200, 300, 400 acre ranches with a, a paved road. It's, it's the most beautiful land that you've ever seen. And, uh, Jackson's kind of our point man on that. So, um, if you want to take a look and it's obviously a great investment, but that's some of the prettiest land that, that I've ever been a, a part of. And it used to be called the Goodrich Ranch, which is uh, kind of famous in that area. And uh, it's it's just unbelievable. Springs running all through that place. So if you're looking for a good investment, I think Jackson would love to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Hey, yeah, hey, that's, that's what we do here. Uh, yeah. Bob, take, take care of yourself. Hook them in. And, yeah. Uh, are, you going to, are you going to New Orleans or no? I'm not. I'm going to wait and see if I can find a way to get in Houston. There you go. Look <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bob. Take care of yourself, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Right, that's Bob Shipley, one of the one of the true just uh, Blake. Uh, look, I mean, when there are there are good people in this world, and then there are good people, right? And uh, he's one of the best. Well, you know, when I was first coming up in this business, I, I was just a young young kid. I mean, I I'm, I'm 54 now, by the way. Uh, I think yes, I'm 54. Can you remember? <laughs> my age anymore. That's how old I am. But in, when I was in my twenties, Bob was at Burnett high school or Burnett high school. And I helped start the seven on seven state championship. And I was the youngest guy in the room every single time. And I felt the, like the youngest guy in the room every single time. 
And every time Bob Shipley walked in, I felt okay. He has that kind of presence about him. And I think that's why, I mean, I don't, I, I know his, I know of his sons. I don't really know them like, like I know him. Um, but you, you see everything about him and his family and 13 grandkids, man, that's what it's all about. Um, and so then he starts describing, you know, trees along the, the Colorado river and I'm all in, you know, that's, that sounds like where I want to retire to. I think that needs to be the new on Texas football quarters, Bobby. Yeah. That, well, well, he's, Oh, they're only five and 10,000 acre ranches. If there's something. I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen, but anyways, I, I just uh, appreciate him so much for joining us this, this morning. No doubt. And man, he, he was part of the best high school football game I ever saw. Brownwood and Graham. I, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was Jackson's senior year. Just an amazing game. And uh, it just, I will remember that game forever. So very cool. He's a great guy. No doubt about it. All right, Bobby. Well, let's get to some questions here and then uh, we will get, get to some other things that we have to as well that people are asking about. Uh, let's start with Blake's super chat. Not me, obviously, but a different Blake. He says, Texas may give up pass yards, but they don't give points because use of their elite red zone defense. Yes, I, I agree with that, Blake. And, and here's the issue that we saw against uh, against uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State scored all touchdowns in all three red zone attempts. I, I don't know if you guys knew that. So while they didn't move the ball as well, I think they found some things on film during that 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 uh, week of preparation that Texas needs to tighten up. But you're right. Uh, overall, Texas is, I think, a top 15, top 20 red zone defense overall in the country this year. Uh, and so that's been a big boon. I think the ability to stop the run is the, especially uh, inside the 10. I mean, I'd go back to that two times this year, if y'all remember. I mean, ball was inside the 15-yard line. Um of Texas against Kansas state inside the top inside the 10 and then it, against U of H with the game on the line. And, you know, the defensive line didn't let anything easy happen. They had to throw for it and the, the other team couldn't do it. And that's, that's stellar red zone defense. Texas wouldn't be where they are today without those two stops. I will be one more super chat. Uh, William Nish, real quick. We're going to read this. It says, do you think our defensive ends will be able to get to Michael Penix? Uh, and the Alamo Bowl, Washington was able to sustain time-consuming drives. Got to get yeah. to the quarterback. Yeah, I, I, that's one of my my concerns. Um, I think that that uh, Jerry Hamilton was talking about that he expects uh, the other day. He was talking about how he expects Washington to slide the pocket to get away from the internal upfield pressure uh, from Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Rod Babers has said the same. I, I think that I, I agree fundamentally with that. Um, I expect Texas to not only use Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell in that regard. I think you'll see Anthony Hill and Maurice Blackwell uh, try to provide some of that. Uh, the one thing about Michael Penix that needs to be reminded, people need to remember, he's had 11 interceptions this year. So he will throw the ball to the other team uh, if hurried, uh, if he's throwing off his back foot, because he has such a good an arm. Rod thinks he has such a good arm that that's, that's almost an Achilles heel. Like he overthinks it a little bit or thinks it's too strong. Uh, and so he can fit those uh, balls into tight windows. So if you can get the outside pressure, Blake, I mean, that's, we'll learn early. We'll see early if Texas can get out, outside pressure. Uh, it, I We know that if they have the opportunity, they'll, they'll be able to get inside pressure, but can they get it 
from Sorrell, Burke, Tap, Finkley, uh, you know, Hoop, all the guys, Blackwell, Hill, etc. No doubt about it. All right, Bobby. Well, it's about that time. Everybody's favorite time of the day. And I'm going to let you tell everybody about Manscaped. Yeah, Santa, baby. The season for a fresh cut is finally here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched their fifth-generation performance package to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. Take care of your special snowflake with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra and watch your South Pole shine like never before. Get the best stocking stuffer of all by going to manscaped.com and using code ONTEXAS for 20% off plus free shipping. Mrs. Claus will thank you. Yeah, Mrs. Claus will thank you. Uh, Get 20% off free shipping with code ONTEXAS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped and use code ONTEXAS. Say ho, ho, ho to a well-groomed mistletoe with Manscaped. Oh, man. Everybody loves it. I do, too. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting all morning. <laughs> oh, man. Ho, ho, ho to a well-groomed, well-groomed mistletoe. <laughs> the lawnmower 5.0, baby. Can't beat it. They are Manscaped is one of the more unique companies in advertising. You see that uh, that uh, text I sent you last night with the uh, fortune. Yeah. Uh, I was actually about to say I, I'm envious. Bobby, everybody, he has a Manscaped fortune cookie. It, it, very cool. Oh well, a friend of mine <laughs> sent me that actually. So apparently, Manscaped inserted fortunes into the fortune cookie, and it's it, it reads like Manscaped. And I'm going to read this to you guys because. Frankly, it's kind of scary, but if I would have gotten this, I would have been scared uh, ultimately. But one side of it says Manscaped, just like a regular Manscaped uh, logo, etc. The other side, uh, and Brad Chesney, a friend of mine, sent this to me. I got to find it here, Brad. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. It says, every captain keeps his deck spotless. That was his fortune. Every capital keeps his deck spotless. So, some advertising these days. There's some wit in there. Oh, no doubt about it. In Tubman, Texas, the super chat says if Texas wins, Bobby Bobby has to do a live demo. Bobby's saying he's shutting that down before it even begins. I don't think we're going to get him to agree to that one. All right, Bobby. <laughs> let's move on here. Let's get to some questions. We got plenty of them. Guys, plenty of time to get your questions in right here on Coffee and Football. Never a dull moment. Okay, uh, let's see here. Let's start with Bobby T.D. Brown. He says, it sounds like we're going to need some D linemen out of the portal. Portal, obviously, a hot topic. Let's talk about it some more. Well, I'm hearing tr- he's right. Bobby's right. Um I'm hearing Alfred Collins is going pro. There was some thought that he might, but I'm being told by some D-line trainers in the NFL that they've already worked out a deal to work with Alfred in the offseason. So it sounds like that's going to happen. Um, That would leave Texas with the following, um, Blake. Trill for next year. Trill Carter, Vernon Broton, Jare Bledsoe, Aaron Bryant, and Sadir Mitchell. So that's five. That's a rotation of five. You add... um, 
DeAndre Robinson, young man from uh, or, that uh, Sark is going to go see today for a home visit out of Orlando. Uh, and then Alex January, whose dad Mike's been on the show before uh, with us. Uh, you add all those guys together, that looks like a decent number. But, you know, Mitchell's only a sophomore, going to only be a true sophomore. Bledsoe did not play much because he's more of a pass rush guy right now instead of a true defensive tackle that can stop the run. Carter, um, you know, look, my point is I, I agree with Bobby. I think they need a defensive tackle. The problem becomes is, and I've called it the Willy Wonka golden ticket, getting the right defensive tackle in the portal is like finding the golden ticket. You know, sometimes you get lucky. I think Texas was lucky to find Trill Carter in the, in the portal even. He was a two-year starter at Minnesota, right? And so there just aren't going to be that many guys. And when they do go in, they become hyper-recruited such that you might not even have a chance to get your name thrown in the ring there uh, because he's already got a destination in mind. He wants to go back closer to home or something like that. So uh, I agree. I think they need need a a D-tackle in particular, not just a D-lineman type edge, but a D-tackle. Let me ask you this, Bobby, speaking of Trill Carter. I mean, obviously, I know he was hurt off and on this season. But what did you think about his play when we did see him? And how much do you expect him to contribute next year? Well, you know, he walked as a senior, but I think he's coming back as of right now. That's what yeah. it sounds like. Um, I, I actually thought he provided a run-stopping presence late in the year um, that was just added depth when Murphy and um, Sweat were out. I thought Carter stopped the run better than Vernon Broton, but didn't make as many disruptive plays as Vernon Broton. And so Carter stepped in and really took the place of Jure Bledsoe a lot as that backup defense. You know what I mean? That that fifth or sixth defensive mm-hmm. tackle um, when there was a run heavy team. And so one of the things, and Bob Shipley was talking about this, the versatility of Texas. And Steve Sarkeesian talks about the, how many different ways you can win. Um, Well, Bob was primarily talking about that on offense with Worthy and Quinn and uh, the different pieces, the tight end even mentioned. Part of it is on defense, too, where you have guys like Trill Carter that are very, very pluggable. I mean, you can actually put them in there and and be effective. Maurice Blackwell is another player that's similar. Doesn't see a ton of time, but he's got a specific use. That is the sign of a developed roster, in my opinion. And, you know, my hat's off in that regard to not only Sark personally, but to the staff like Billy Glasscock, the director of player personnel. Um, That kind of element is more that's using your whole 85 man roster as opposed to just focusing on the top 50. A lot of teams, people don't realize this, a lot of teams, you know, they'll, they'll have 25 to 30 guys that aren't really participating Texas tries to get that number up a little bit comparatively. Now you have to have some in the, in the holding tank, so to, so to speak, that are developing. So you can't really always have 85, but my point is um, I think Texas did a, a marvelous job uh, with that this off season and, and hats off to, to those guys for doing so. I know I said we were going to talk portal for a minute, but we've had some comments come up kind of relating to, to this, not kind of, it is relating to this topic that I want to go ahead and bring up Bobby, and then we'll go back to the portal stuff. Um, But first, let's say this one from Miguel Gonzalez, unless that D line group makes a big jump this off season, Texas is going to take a huge step back on defense next season. What do you think? 
I agree. I mean, look, you lose the Outland Award winner, you lose an All-American like Byron Murphy, and you lose a three-year starter at middle linebacker. That's You talk about a team, and, and Matt Brown used to talk about this, being strong up the middle, the two defensive tackles, the middle linebacker, and the safeties. I mean, Texas could potentially lose four of those five players, right? Uh, you know, so that, that will make for difficulty. I, I will say this. Um, Texas isn't devoid of talent, though, right? I mean, they've got guys. Uh, I think Anthony Hill. I think uh, maybe if David Benda comes back, like we think he might, uh, you could look at linebacker as kind of a situation where, okay, they've got some depth and some young guys that are coming on. Uh, but defensive tackle is the real one. I think safety is going to be okay, uh, but it may take three to four games for them to, to get their chops uh, and and figure it out. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the 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 off the defense could take a step back. I will say this though about the defense: the SEC is a different conference, Blake, mm-hmm. uh, and other than the Big Twelve, they're not as tricky or as um, quirky as Big Twelve offenses in the passing yeah. game, in particular, except sure. for maybe Ole Miss and, and Tennessee. Um, so my my take on that is, and, and now maybe Mississippi State, by the way, with Jeff Levy. Um, my take on that is, is that 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 will force Texas to be wired more to traditional uh, type defense, which should help the the um, acceleration of understanding what they got to try to do. They're not constantly trying to game plan for every different uh, type of offense there is, like you'll see in the Big 12. Uh, then this one from UT Parking, Bobby, he says, do you expect more three man fronts next year due to the losses? I think it's possible uh, that, you know, Texas used it frequently enough uh, this year. It wasn't the base, obviously, um, but I think it's possible. Uh, you know, my my worry is, you know, what. What teams is Texas going to play that can just line up and maybe run over you? I mean, that's right, because that's you start going to three man front and the linebackers get caught up in the wash and they're not able to keep those guys off the linebackers. Um, and does Texas have that guy? I mean, Sadir Mitchell, that guy, Vernon Broughton's not that guy. Uh, Trill Carter is kind of Jare Bledsoe at this point. Isn't, doesn't really weigh enough to be that guy. So that, those are my questions. Uh, if they go to a more of a three man front, I think they need another, uh, true defensive end that would be in that, that three technique or, or five technique. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think it depends on who they get in the portal and who steps up this spring. So if Mitchell has a great spring, then I could start seeing some more of that kind of stuff. If he doesn't, and if Bledsoe doesn't come on a little bit more, then I, th- I think the coaches are going to have to it's, – it's kind of wait and see. And to your point on Bledsoe, uh, David Williams just said in the chat that his listed weight on the roster is 274. So lots of room there to, to gain. For a defensive tackle no in the SEC, Blake. Yeah, right? <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, speaking of SEC, we have a super chat here from Mike Gosnell. Thank you, Mike. He says, does Trey Mora take? Do you believe he can come in and compete in the SEC? Competition level is a bit concerning. Bobby, my mind instantly went to Jared Verse, which apparently Ekim as well. He said, Jared Verse played at Albany before going to Florida State. Now, obviously, FSU not in the SEC, but still, same kind of bump up there. And he did well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I think UTSA is light years ahead of Albany. First yeah. of all, uh, so <laughs> let's let's put that up, up there. Yeah, 
Moore is, as of right now, they are monitoring him. They, he's been offered, is my understanding, uh, but he's going. And I said this at the outset of the show, just so y'all are clear. About 645 last night, I talked to someone close to that recruitment. And Moore visited Texas over the weekend, has Ohio State coming in uh, for a home visit today, Alabama tomorrow. Then he's visiting Ohio State this coming weekend. Penn State and Michigan also uh, talking to him right now. I think it's going to come down to Texas and Ohio State at this point. Um, do I think he can make an impact? Yes, but I don't know that he's not that inside guy that we're talking about. I think they're recruiting him as a buck right now, uh, which means that uh, boundary edge, uh, basically player for them. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I do think that he's good enough to play at Texas. I don't I don't pretend to have watched enough UTSA games to sit here and say, oh, he's going to be the next Jared Verse. I don't know that. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we have a question here from uh, Lee Barden. We talked about Trill Carter, of course, walking. You thought he may come back. But Lee says, have we heard about any other seniors returning? Well, I, mean, I mentioned David Benda uh, yep. as a potential. Uh, that that would be one. I don't think Jaron Thompson uh, is coming back uh, at this point. Um, other than that, uh, oh, Jake Majors, I do believe, is coming back, uh, the center. Uh, for the University of Texas that started three and a half years, by the way. So Texas, one of the great things about next year, they could actually have a really, really uh, experienced offensive line yet again, uh, right? If you just uh, continue this process of, of Kelvin Banks, Hayden Connor, uh, Jake Majors, DJ Campbell, and then right tackle probably would be Cam Williams, unless they move Hayden Connor out to right tackle to compete there and then insert Cole Hudson. Either way, whatever they decide to do, that is going to be a very experienced offensive line. And that's that's really good going into a, a league that has NFL defensive linemen across the board. No doubt about it. All right, Bobby, before we move on, we're going to talk a little Washington here in a minute, Sugar Bowl, college football playoff. But before we do that, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, I appreciate that, Blake. Uh, guys, uh, Longhorn Wealth uh, Management, uh, those guys uh, have been great to us uh, over the, the last year. Uh, actually, last three months uh, advertising with us. Uh, thank you to John Donovan. Uh, appreciate John and his uh, 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 help uh, building this. Uh, John is his birthday today, so make sure you say thank you, or make sure if you see him in out and about in the Dallas area uh, that he is uh, wished a happy birthday. Uh, but my my thought process on this is really clear. John's a, a certified financial planner who has spent more than thirty years providing investment retirement insurance and estate planning services and solutions uh, for his clients. Uh, for his birthday, John wants to give a present to each of you by offering a not free 90-minute consultation to explore how Longhorn Wealth can help you achieve your own financial goals by developing tax-free income for your retirement, tax-free funding for your kids or grandkids' college education, and tax-free wealth to your heirs. So please give John Donovan and his team a call at 972 707 4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Thanks, John. Happy birthday, buddy. And we want to thank them for sponsoring every Monday right here on Coffee and Football. I right, Bobby, you realize we are exactly three weeks away from the next Texas game. It seems like an eternity, but slowly but surely we're getting there. So we're having lots of questions on that. We're going to start with this one from Todd Lacey. He says, what does this week look like with the team? Do they start game prep? Any news on how portal players like Catalan will be utilized? Well, Catalan is not going to be traveling, is my understanding. 
So I don't think he's even going to be, be in the game. Um, so uh, most of the portal players are moving on. Some may stay behind. I got to figure out who all that is exactly to, to go experience uh, it. Uh, but uh, yes, they start game prep this week. Players got a, a long weekend this weekend. Uh, back at it today, I believe. Um, and then they'll they'll go through the rest of this week. The players leave uh, for New Orleans, I believe, on the 26th or the 27th. So the next week and a half, really, will be game prep uh, through probably just a couple days after signing day, to be honest. And then they'll go home for Christmas, uh, come back uh, and, and get going to and meet in New Orleans, I believe, if they don't come back to uh, Austin first. Uh, but uh, that that's what's going to be happening. And Longhorn fans, I mean, I tell you, uh, it is three weeks away. It's hard to believe. I mean, it is okay. been a, a good football season. It's been a long football season, but a really good one. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's it's one of those situations where Texas uh, in that game, if they come to play, I think it can just be one of those great, great football games and a great atmosphere. If you haven't been to a game in New Orleans at the at the Superdome, it's it's a fun place to go because uh, there's all kinds of things. I mean, there's a party going going on before the game uh, where Longhorn fans literally can walk in a uh, jazz band. It's called a second line and take the jazz band with them and walk to the game in front of them like a true parade. I'll, I'll give you all the, the address oh. on that. So people can sign up if they want to do that. And it includes a couple of, I mean, it's, it's a great situation. I'll, I'll post that tomorrow, but uh, I, I'm so, uh, so happy for, uh, for Longhorns getting able to experience that and the kids getting ready for it. I don't see this one happening, Bobby, but I'm going to ask any ancient drummer says any murmurs about players opting out of the college football playoff. I say maybe if it was the Alamo bowl or something like that, but I, I don't see the college football playoff. No, that would take into question your competitiveness. Right. And that's the one thing, like, I think competitiveness comes out of the equation if you're dealing with the Alamo bowl, right? Blake, but if yeah. you're dealing with college football playoff, no, sir, you got to play. Or else that will ding you with the NFL. You're, yeah. you're bowing out on your teammates at the time they need you the most. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it that it would it could only be seen as a negative, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. All right, John D says who will be backing up Adonai Mitchell at wide receiver in the Sugar Bowl? You, you know, good question because not only is uh, we mentioned Isaiah Nayor putting his name in the portal on uh, Friday, Casey Kane earlier in the week had done so as well. Uh, I would imagine, I would imagine that it's Jonte Cook and or DeAndre or DeAndre Moore, uh, or they'll go 12 personnel more frequently, something like that. And you move Jordan Whittington outside. That would be my guess. Or, or uh, 21 personnel where you have two backs. Yeah. Uh, we got a super chat real quick, Bobby. Then we better get out of here. It's from Ashton Holloman. I can't wait to see what on Texas football has in store for the future. Hook them, I can tell you. And Bobby doesn't even know this yet, so he's going to learn right now, too. We have players on the next two days as a special guest right here on Coffee and Football, so you guys won't want to miss that. But thank you, Ashton. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, later today, we have I have lunch with the coach with Brian Irwin. Uh, we talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that are going on right now uh, with the Longhorns, and uh, y'all talked about what they're doing this week. He has some insight there that he wants to share. And then uh, also I've got Talking Ball with Rod Babers later this afternoon. So appreciate you guys watching Coffee and Football. Uh, thank you all very much. Blake, uh, if I have to read Manscaped another time, I may I may need some help on that. You may have to take it. 
I'm not sure. I, hey, I, I, I would be glad to. There ain't no doubt about that. Well, guys, thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you for all the questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. want to thank Bob Shipley for coming on, and thank you for the Super Chats as well. Uh, big shout-out to John Donovan. Happy birthday, and thank you for Longhorn Wealth Management Group and Manscaped both for sponsoring. And uh, Bobby and I will be back same time, same place tomorrow. So until then, we'll see you next time. Hook up, guys. Have a good week.